Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. Did you ever want to phone a weather forecaster to get advice on where you'll find the best snow next week? Or really, just to know which day to call in sick at work? Well, you don't need to call a forecaster because you can simply read the daily snow on Open Snow. Our local forecasters give you their take about where and when to find the best powder. Go to opensnow.com or download the Open Snow app on iPhone or Android and look for the daily snow forecasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Long Underwear. And today you are finding the podcast still in quarantine. So we have our first ever podcast recorded through Skype, which is a little bit different than we usually do it. So I hope you guys bear with us uh, if the audio is a little different. But uh, today on the podcast, I have a truly wonderful guest uh, who is a dear, dear friend of mine, a huge inspiration, a woman I have looked up to from the moment I met her, Elise Sogstead. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing, Amy? Oh, good. As good as can be expected. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging in there, literally. <laughs> and so I'm talking to you in your, you're in your closet in your house in Taos City, California. And yes. you are with your husband, Cody, and your dog, Theo, and you guys are in lockdown. How's that going? Um, the lockdown's going fine. I mean, I am a little bummed I'm not in Alaska skiing right now, but honestly, I haven't let myself think about it too much. And just really getting into like a habit, um, a routine here, which is kind of not normal. It's different and it feels great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat and it pains me. Like I've been going through the thing, like one of the things I love when I actually am home is getting to see and be with my friends. So like the fact yes. that like we can't do this in person and then like go out to fancy dinner afterwards is like, that's the worst part. Yeah, it is so weird to be in town at the same time as people like you and Michelle Parker and Connery. Uh, I mean, there's so many other pros that are always off traveling and we're all here and we can't hang out. No, it's tough. It's tough. So. But, um, you know, kind of in light of that, you know, uh, your season was wildly disrupted, if not just completely thrown off of what you did have of the ski season, even though I know for you, like, a lot of your season was still to come. What would you say was like the highs of your ski season to this point? Uh, yeah, well, I think, I mean, I, I didn't have a lot going on. It was kind of a slow start for me and that, which is fine. It was kind of a nice change because a lot of times, you know, ski season's so short and we'll have all these obligations understandably for our sponsors and things you just have to do and show up for. And I didn't have as much of that this year for whatever reason. And so I was able to just ski, like for instance, um, I just headed up to Revelstoke with no purpose other than to seek out powder. And, uh, I got to catch up with a bunch of really rad women around there to ski with. And that was really fun. But because I didn't have a whole lot going on, one thing that really stands out is, joining Cody for one of his 50 project lines. Um, his, a lot of the lines in the book are very ski mountaineer oriented. And even though I joined him on for a line last year in the rubies called terminal cancer, that's a pretty 
easy one to do. You don't need any special gear for that. So this year, the line that Cody had picked out that he wanted me to join him on because it was like a true ski mountaineer line is called the sickle and the sawtooth. And it was a full day in the mountains from sunup to sundown. And I mean, we good 12 hours once we left the snowmobiles and got back to the snowmobiles of uh, touring and boot packing and skiing and using ice axes and crampons, stuff I'd never used before, which is, <laughs> you know, I'm for a lot of people, it's probably kind of crazy and people roll their eyes at me. Like, how are you a professional skier and have never used that stuff? But it's just, I just haven't. And yeah. uh, so it was a whole new experience for me and it was really fun. The irony of it was while well, we skied that day, the snow conditions were so horrible that the skiing was pretty bad. Uh, so did it win me over? Not entirely, but you know, whatever. I, I, I definitely will probably sign up for another mission or two with him because it was a, it was a neat experience overall. Yeah. That was my like next thing I was going to ask you about. Um, that's the, it's the most recent episode of the 50 project is the sickle episode that you are part of. Um, and Todd and I watched it last night and, um, I, I kind of can relate to you. Like I'm not a big pointy things girl, like, you know, crampons, <laughs> ice axes, pointy things. Um, I have you, I've used crampons either once or twice. And then I used an ax, an ice ax, like kind of more as like decoration once, like I didn't actually need it. Um, and so, like, I guess that was my question. Like, are you like, because to me, it almost seems like an obsession that people get and I just haven't got it. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. all this hiking seems to like interfere with my skiing a little bit. And I just yeah. wanted to know, like, totally. I was so curious to see, like, no, if you were just like, oh, I'm hooked on the mountaineering thing or because like to me, I just, no. it's cool, but it's just, so, it's so much different than skiing. And even if like I have a great day on resort or with my sled or something like that, it's just I like to, I like skiing too much to get way into mountaineering, I think. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's my huge problem in general when, when, with touring, not even just ski mountaineering, touring is that you do so much walking and so little skiing. And I love the act of skiing so much more. So that's why I've always opted for different modes of transportation in general to, to optimize the skiing. Um, you know, I think the, the mountaineering side that is, that can hook you is that you can get to some pretty cool lines and ski totally. some pretty cool things. And, you know, you got to put in the effort and the effort kind of helps just make it that much more worth it. That being said, um, I think that it helps to train a certain way to prepare yourself to have those long days in the mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't, and you just plan to go do it, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to pull off. Yeah. And, uh, like for instance, Cody and I, now that he's gotten into this whole 50 project, he trains differently in the summer than I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, we very different style of activities and his is so he can optimize, um, doing really long hiking days with a bit of weight on his back. And I'm still geared towards just explosive, powerful skiing. Um, so yeah, yeah. If I, yeah, I'd have to switch a lot of stuff to really make it more of a habit, but I think that, uh, you never know, maybe down the road, I'll, I'll get more into it. Yeah. I feel like I'm still in the mode of like dabbling, but like, it's not my primary obsession, but maybe, maybe later this season or next season, we can do some like spring dabbling, like where yeah. we're both no, on I'm, the same page. <laughs> seriously. The, you know, the East side, the, yeah, that's, the East side and the Sierra mountains. Yeah. 
are some of the very best skiing in North America for, you know, classic ski mountaineering. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's our backyard. We should take more advantage of it we than should. we do. We should, but I will say, <laughs> even though like for me being quarantined, it's like making kind of some of the smaller moments, like highs, you know, and I dude, that day we had on KT in December was so fun. We were just oh, shredding. Yeah just the two of us. It was like an average resort day. The snow was totally average, but we had a great time. It was. Well, it, it worked out perfect too, because it was you the only time had to been ski together. I know you've been skiing for about an hour before I got there and you had already found the best runs <laughs> of where the best snow was. Yeah. And so it's like, I didn't even have to have any bad runs. I just, I, got, yeah. I fell right in line with you. It was great. It was super fun. Yeah. Oh, it's a good day. Well, uh, we usually stop talking about skiing. So kind of before we transition into the non-ski part of the show, I kind of just wanted to, as a, as a ski athlete, not even a female ski athlete, but as a ski athlete, you're one of the most accomplished skiers. Um, you've had so many accolades, you've won awards, you've worked crazy hard for everything you've had in your career. And so when you look at that from like a 10,000 foot view, from your perspective, what's the high of your career to you? Like, what was the moment? What was the thing that like sticks out in your mind of like, oh, that was freaking awesome, you know? Well, I, I think what's the most impressive to me right now is that I am over 40 years old and still doing it, you know, and still at a, at a high, at a, a seemingly high performance level. Okay. You're still and at a high the fact that, And, and the, fa- the fact that I've been able to like keep that drive and passion going through this whole time, you know, it's, it's been a long career. And, um, and, and part of that reason, I think, uh, which also, is reflective of awards that I've won is the fact that I'm pretty goal oriented and that's always helped me give me purpose and reason to keep getting after it. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and so those awards kind of came because of being goal oriented and that's really helped. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're awesome. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. There's a lot of awesome ladies out there in skis this day. It's pretty awesome and it's great to see. It is. It is. And definitely you are one of the key women that paved the way for uh, all that change in the industry. So I think that that's, from my perspective, one of your biggest accomplishments. But Uh, we can't talk about skiing anymore. This podcast is not about skiing. Okay, so no more S word. And if you say the S word, you have to deliver some of these gorgeous baked goods you've been making to my door. And if I say (laughs) it... I'll try to bring you some baked goods, but my baked goods aren't nearly as good as yours. So (laughs) I don't know about that. Sometimes I I think like they can just look pretty. Who knows if the taste is as good as actually, I mean, I take that back a lot of stuff. I've had some fails though. Uh, My first go round of of banana bread was a total fail. I didn't cook it for bake it for long enough. And I just went, I, I went by the, um, the recipe and I checked the middle and it didn't seem like anything gooey came out. And then after letting it rest, it was just mush in the middle. It like, imploded. Oh, oh no. More, yeah, more or less, which, but that's okay. You know, I mean, it's bound to happen to have some fails. And then I, I learned my lesson and, and that's a difference when you're altitude, you mm-hmm. have to baking slightly different. And generally you got to cook things a little longer altitude, I think. 
Yeah, I have had a couple fails, but I've had a couple of discoveries with banana bread. I need a new banana bread recipe because my banana bread recipe is delicious. And it's from my grandmother's cookbook. It's her blue ribbon banana bread recipe and her cookbook that it's in. I have the cookbook. It's called Pleasing Hubby's Tummy. It was published in 1952. (laughs) And there's a whole chapter in the beginning about how to like put your makeup on while the roast is like cooling so that you can have the drink ready when your husband gets home from work and everything. It's fantastic. But the recipe calls for Crisco or lard. And I don't like yeah. really want to eat Crisco. And so while the yeah. banana bread is delicious, I need to find a new sans Crisco banana bread recipe. So send that to me. But my tip, my pro tip is uh, add a little bit of cornstarch to your cookies, like mm-hmm. two tablespoons. And that's what makes them stay fluffy. So you don't have to mm-hmm. change your recipe at all. Just add a little cornstarch and it keeps your cookies fluffy without, because sometimes mm. they get all thin, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of just taste good, but they're just not yeah. as pretty. So that's my baking advice I've learned. Yeah. Okay. So my first kind of question or thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about or bring up is one thing I've admired about you. And one thing that I think is kind of like a pillar of our friendship um, is that you are completely badass in like so many different ways, but you have never sacrificed one ounce of your femininity and your commitment to like the glory of being a woman and a female. And like you, I remember one time early on in a relationship, you said something, we were somewhere traveling and you were like, well, I never travel without heels. And and you were dead serious. Like you don't travel without heels. And so what I want to know is like, first of all, like, where does that come from? Like you were a feminine, like fashionable, like you were into it. And where does that come from? Where, like, have you always been that way? Like, I have no idea. Fashion, fashionista Alaska. (laughs) No, uh, completely. I feel like, um, and even as a kid growing up, I was very, I took pride in being very tomboy-like. And I remember in high school, it wasn't until my senior year, I wore a skirt for the first time. I wore like a skirt once in my entire high school career. So never guessed that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. So I guess just as I got older and it kind of just evolved and maybe, maybe it was um, living in Italy for a year, partway through college. Totally. I, I don't. I really don't know where it all comes from, but, but yes, the trick to bringing a pair of heels on a trip is, is wonderful. Cause sometimes you never know if you all of a sudden have to do something nice, go out to a nice dinner or something, this or that. If you have a pair of heels that you throw on with a pair of jeans and a sweater or tank top, whatever, it just really elevates your, how you look and why not? Why not? I know. Well, that's my favorite thing when we get together and go out for dinner. Like I can wear heels because I know you're going to be wearing heels and I won't be like overdoing it. I don't know. I've learned a lot to like, yeah. I've always thought like I kind of wanted to like kind of, because I've always been like, to me, it's always been about the look, like whatever I was doing, I had to be, I had to have my running outfit, my ice skating outfit, you know? And so, but I've tried to like hide that a little bit. But when I met you and we became friends forever, many years ago, like I was like, well, wait, no, I can like still be super into this. I, that like my femininity doesn't have to dive off if I want to be taken seriously as an athlete. And I think then kind of to piggyback off that, like, what does like femininity, like even mean to you? Like what does being feminine mean to you? I think femininity really means just kind of having a confident, equal standing in life with our male counterparts. That doesn't mean that we have to lose feminine qualities or nor does it mean that we have to fully embrace them. It's just more about being true to yourself, being confident in yourself and presenting yourself in a way that I think uh, brings out the best in yourself. And I think that's where feminine, yeah, I think that's where femininity, because I, I, you see people that go down these paths and the whole idea of like burning your bras and all that, like I, I get that side of it, that argument, but there's a reason why bras were invented because we have these 
beautiful boobs and they need yeah, to be taken care up. of <laughs> you know <laughs> you know it's, it's not that like I mean I don't know maybe bras were invented by men and maybe that's where that all stemmed from but I I kind of doubt it yeah <laughs> no it just it just seems like um it, it's more about being able to be yourself and not worry about the gender part of it right I mean I personally think it's so fun to like dress up and do my makeup. And I find it's like a luxury of like, I think it's like a benefit of being a woman is like, look at this, all this fun, cool, creative stuff I get to do with my body and my look. And it's not that like men can't do that or not interested in it, but I like more think it's like, I, to me, I celebrate that, like that that's something I like to do and I get to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I take a lot of enjoyment out of it as well. Uh, Like let's say we have a wedding to go to. Well, it's really fun to, to get a dress for that particular occasion. And then Cody, on the other hand, who is not into fashion and shopping and all of that, he's really happy that he just has like his suit that he pulls out and puts on. But I understand that there are some women that are like, they, they cringe at the idea of having to go shopping and that's fine. That doesn't make you any less feminine. It's just, that's just not what you're into. So. Yeah. Well, okay. Like another like huge thing of your personality, you are a crazy sports fan, which that is like the fashion (laughs) stuff we have in common, the sports stuff. I have no idea, but so you're like a raging sports fan and your teams are the giants and the Niners. Yes. And you got to go to the Super Bowl this year. Yes. What was that like? (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was We were so lucky that it fell into our laps. It just, it happened through a connection through Cody and we were bestowed two tickets to go to Super Bowl and accommodations. And it seemed like, I mean, literally like a God came down from the heavens to Cody and I I was like, here you go. You get to go to the Super Bowl with your team who, uh, you know, we've, when you're a diehard fan and uh, the Niners, they've been pretty bad over the last decade or two. And um, I mean, granted, they, they had one little stint when Kaepernick was their quarterback and they went to the Super Bowl then, but they've been pretty terrible otherwise. And this year they just turned it on. So it was really fun to watch from the get go your team do really well and then go to the Super Bowl. It was crushing, though, yeah. to watch them lose at the Super Bowl. It felt like versus watching on TV, I think I was more crushed because you the yeah. energy was more palpable of what was going on. And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a bummer. We even had a connection to go to the friends and family special after party. Um, yeah. So, oh my God, we were just like, this is going to be the most amazing thing. And, And it looked like through most of the Super Bowl game that, that the Niners were going to win. Yeah. And it wasn't until just the last little the bit end. that the very end and, Yeah. I mean, what it did help us though, was that we ended up getting on shuttled to these private buses to get out of the stadium really quickly, which is really nice because the Miami stadium parking is kind of a nightmare and transportation is a nightmare. And we probably would have been stuck there for a couple hours. So we got on these buses and went to the party, but it was, the vibe was so morose that it was catered, open bar, everything no one was drinking you could just walk Aww. right up and get a cocktail because no one was interested because everyone was so bummed out <laughs> so, oh it's heartbreaking it yeah heartbreaking. I mean I I watch sport like I'm from Tahoe yeah like the Niners are like my team I guess but like I don't care really yeah. I mean I, I kind of care no. a little bit sometimes but I watch games like for you like you I am your fan 
like in the game. And I'm like hoping that the Niners or the Giants win for you. Like I'm, it's, it's funny that like, I yeah. don't care that much about the game, but I care about you and Cody. And so I'm like, Oh yes. Yeah. Or like when I know you guys are at a game or something, I'm like, Oh, I got to watch. Cause I, I want to know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> but yeah, super, um, super that's fun. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, another thing about your life and Cody's life is you guys are huge surfers and you through your life have become like a, a really good surfer for someone that doesn't live at the beach and is <laughs> really never lived at the beach um or at least maybe you're really good compared to me but I wonder if you guys go on like awesome surf trips you've even yeah. like inspired like my lifestyle of going on surf trips a couple times a year and um of of all the trips um of all you guys' surf trips what's your best surf trip that you guys have been on I think the best surf trip we've been on was going to the Mintawai last summer yeah it was we we went down we went to Indonesia for a month. Um, we spent like two weeks in the Mentawai and then we went to Bali for two weeks after we'd been to Bali before, but the experience was just absolutely mind blowing. It was, it's picture, beautiful beach, perfect there. Um, and you're, there's not many people around. It's the best waves of your life. Uh, you really have to step it up and be willing to, but I was, so I got my, my ass handed to me a little bit, but it was great. Cause that's the only way you get better. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a game changer and it definitely, my, my surfing progressed quite a bit. So yeah, um, pretty thrilling. Yeah, absolutely. It looked, I mean, I knew you were going to say that cause you guys have been like wanting to do that trip for a long time and it sounded pretty dang special. Yeah. All right. So my next question is, I want to know when you are home, kind of like now, but more like in normal times, um, and you're not traveling, you're not filming, you're not doing any of that. Like, what's your favorite part of normal day at home? Like, what's your favorite part of being home? And and maybe that's more, you know, illuminated given the stay at home that we're going through right now. But what's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's like, what's the part of being home that you cherish? Uh, I, I cherish slowing down when we're at home. Uh, I like the routine. I like the, we have Technivorm coffee maker that makes the most delicious coffee ever. Cody and I were really into cooking. And so we make delicious dinners and that is, it's lovely. Uh, just the two of us hanging out with our dog. And then we'll have some shows that we, we like to catch up on when we get home. Top Chef just started back up, so we're into watching that. We're we're wrapping up uh, Formula One, the Drive to Survive on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a really amazing show. Another another show about sports, um, <laughs> and and then and sports games in general. I mean, at, at this time of year, you know, baseball starting, so we'd be watching baseball games on a nightly basis. But that's obviously not in the cards right now, unfortunately. It's really hard to be home during this time and not have sports to yeah. watch. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, it yeah. really is. So yeah. the, uh, next week, the NFL draft is going to happen. And that's something I have never even remotely been interested in before. And not only for the purpose of my Niners team, but also I, I play fantasy football, which is super fun. And it can be beneficial if you know uh, stuff about the draft, but I've never been interested in it. But I have a feeling that the draft will probably be turned on our television next week because yeah. well, it'll be your like not? mini sport hit, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So like piggybacking off of that, because you Cody is such an amazing chef and you guys always cook such amazing stuff. And like when when you guys invite Todd and I over for dinner, we like drop anything, everything we have going on to come over just because we know the food's gonna be so good. Um, what was your most recent favorite meal that you guys cooked? Because you guys like kind of collab everything. I feel like you kind of plan mm-hmm. the meal and then like yes. Cody's like head chef, you know? Exactly. Oh, totally. It's really fun because it's kind of like uh, getting to go shopping and, and picking out the perfect outfit. Well, I get to come up with a menu with a, with a game plan of what I want cooked. And I don't have the skill set to actually make that happen, but Cody does. <laughs> and he's willing to do it. He loves yeah. it. So yeah. it, it works out perfectly. I think, oh gosh, a halibut dish Cody made recently was pretty dang good. Uh, we've got some duck that he's going to cook this weekend. Wow. Um, I've had a halibut. The, like, my best halibut I've ever had is halibut that Cody has cooked. Yeah. Well, you know, it's because he's married to an Alaskan and mm-hmm. I'm very particular and my fish has to be cooked perfectly, basically not overdone. And he has learned the technique of how to cook fish well. So yeah. thank goodness. Yeah. Well, and you guys, last time we, we actually had some salmon in our freezer that you guys gave us last time we watched Theo and yeah. we made it the other night and you guys, cause when you come back from Alaska, you bring back good fish and it's like gold, you know, but so we yes. thought of you when we, what, what did we do? Oh, we made sand, salmon sandwiches. Actually, they're really good. Um, uh, yeah. Todd cooked it well. It was good. My, Todd is by no means head chef in our kitchen, but I love, I love <laughs> when you, cause I've like done the grocery shop with you where you're planning everything and you just like bring it home and you're like, Cody, we're having halibut, polenta cakes and broccolini. And he's like, okay. Yes. And then he just like makes it perfectly. I'm like, polenta cake? I don't even know what a polenta cake is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. it, completely. It is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I really lucked out in that department. Cody grew up watching cooking shows. Uh, who would have thunk, but he, yeah. he's been into it his entire life since he was a small child. So, yeah. Um, well, it yeah, shows. Uh, lucky me. So I feel like kind of a outward personality trait that you have is a bit of a fearless kind of vibe. And so what I want to know is what is your most irrational fear? Like something that's just <laughs> ridiculous that you shouldn't be scared of, but you're so scared of. Like I'm terrified. I found I'm terrified of the cheese grater. Like that thing is the devil. I can't do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So maybe sometimes, maybe it's not that irrational, but it sort of is when I'm snowmobiling or when I'm on a, let's say like a scooter in Bali, I I'll be driving along and, and be pretty conservative. I'm not some crazy person on motorized vehicles. And I'll just have this vision of speeding along and then just driving straight off the road into, you know, who knows what and (laughs) impaling myself and killing myself in just some horrific, stupid crash way. And I'll have those visions when I'm on my snowmobile or when I'm on a scooter. And, and it, it, I have these visions. I'm like, what the heck? Why, where did that just come from? That is not helping. I mean, maybe it's horrifying because, because it is on a motorized vehicle, but I have it. I have, I have that sensation more than I think I should, especially on a snowmobile, because I've been riding a snowmobile for many years, scootering in Bali. That's a whole other ball game. That's actually pretty damn dangerous. I wonder, I feel like there's some sort of like, cause sometimes I do the same thing, even when I'm driving my car, sometimes I have the thought of like, what if I just like drove off this bridge or what if I just like hit this tree? And I wonder if it's like maybe something our brains kind of do to like 
I don't know. Cause I have, I haven't had it. Ex- I mean, I've never been on a scooter in Bali, but like, I kind of have something similar to that, that I have happened sometimes where I like envision the worst case scenario. Like I have this thing where I'm driving near trees and like, I envision like Todd in the passenger seat getting like impaled by like a branch or something when we like fly out and it's like really gruesome. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I, why am I thinking about that? And then yeah. it sounds like kind of the same thing, actually. Like weird yeah. driving phobias for no reason. Because like you, I'm not like super. Although you've got some mad road rage, I have to say. You're an intense driver. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you've really, but when I first met you, I liked you were driving in Santa Cruz and you were like on that crazy Highway 17. I was like, oh my God, Elias is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I am an aggressive driver. I do admit that. I have been getting better. Uh, for sure. And trying to just be patient. Uh, (laughs) if we ever get around to having kids, if I ever want to drive, if, if I'm ever going to have Cody allow me to drive with our kids in the car, I'm definitely going to have to chill out. So yeah, yeah. I've definitely like gotten myself because I'm bad too with road rage. I just like yell at people or whatever. And and Todd is a very non road rage person. Sometimes when Todd's driving, I like push the floor down to like try to get him to push the accelerator, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then he'll like comment, you know, geez, like you got to calm down, like road rage or whatever. And sometimes I'll be like, Todd, I'm not as bad as Elise. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I'm glad that I'm, I'm like the always worse than I'm sure there's someone I'm trying to think I know I, there's I think I've been worse there's, oh there definitely is um but I'm kind a of a good driver like I always feel really safe in the car with you but I just like yeah I like to drive faster for sure uh yeah I'm the same way when Cody's driving as you where it's like I have to if we're in the fast lane and there's people passing us oh, in the, the lane to the right I'm like honey you're not the fast person get out of the way and you know it'll drive me crazy when he does that because he'll be like well I'm driving you know five miles over the speed limit and no one else if people are going to drive faster than that then they should whatever they teach his own and I was like no but they just want to go faster than you so just get out of their way let them through who cares (laughs) you know that's my thinking (laughs) I just have learned that if we're in a rush I have to drive like if we want to get somewhere like timely I have to drive Todd can't drive but um yeah so my next question is our, our, our POW question, our Protect Our Winner Sponsor question. Um, and the, the, the thought or the question to you is if you could just ask everybody on the planet to do one thing that would make the world a better place, what, what would you ask of people? What would you ask them to do? I mean, if, if this applies to the whole world, I guess I, I think it's something we need to find uh, better access to potable water. And I I, that's more, that's not like a one small thing someone can do, but if we were able to provide potable drinkable water to people without having to use plastic bottles, I think that would have a huge change in the world's pollution rate. Yeah. Um, So if, if I feel like if, if we could spend more energy on not just fighting within our own country, like for instance, you know, I don't get me wrong. Plastic straws is it's good to get rid of unnecessary things that are wasteful and plastic. But having everyone stop that in our country is like that's not the, the bigger picture is 
all the plastic bottles that are being used in all these third world countries across the world because they don't have access to clean water. And that's the only way to get water. And that's the only way to get water. So I feel like instead of just looking inward, if we could also move outward quite a bit, it would be very helpful. I think that maybe is applicable to a lot of things. So too, taking the view off yourself and the small things and looking bigger, but yeah, yes. that's crazy. I mean, when you spend time in places like that, you're just like, these. there's no hope for reducing plastic use in places like that. Mm-mm, not at all. Yeah. All right. So this is something we do on every episode of the podcast. I ask you to think of and tell me two highs and one low of the last year of your life, completely separate from like your life with the S word and on the mountain and all that. So just like your all the rest of your other life that doesn't take place on snow, two highs and one low. Okay. From the last year-ish. Well, so in this last year, I, I, we're going to, I'm going to reference the Super Bowl. Getting to go to that yeah. was a major high. And then that corresponded with the lowest that I have <laughs> felt all year was the Niners losing. Oh, I was depressed for weeks afterwards, literally. No. Like, like I just had, you know, that pit in your stomach feeling. Yeah. When I, when we get reminded of it, I would have that pit in my stomach feeling and it took a while for it to dissipate. And it's funny because going into the Super Bowl, this partially stems for well, a couple of reasons. One is because the Niners have been so bad for so long. Uh, if you're really into, into sports, it's really fun to have another team to root for. And I've really taken to the Kansas City Chiefs long before Mahomes even came along. Um, and also because of fantasy football, I also got Mahomes on my team right as a, as he started out. So it was a really amazing thing to have to root for this guy. So the fact that Kansas City finally made the Super Bowl versus the Niners to me was, it seems like if your team was going to lose, then at least it'd be losing to your next best team. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It did not make a difference. In fact, <laughs> I was I still I was as disgusted as if I would have felt but any other team winning. I, I yeah. still am just like, oh, I almost think of Kansas City as enemies now. And even though, <laughs> you know, like so so there's a high and a low <laughs> all in one one weekend. Um, let's see here. Another uh, hi. I mean, I, I guess I, I'll reference the Mintoi trip. I mean, that was pretty groundbreaking um, when you do sports. I will say, without saying the the S word, at a certain point you reach, we're, you and I were at a level where it can be hard to exponentially get better, like mm-hmm. if you're already at a pretty high level. And in surfing, I'm bad enough where um, I have so much room for growth that yeah. uh, taking a trip like that is just so exhilarating because you're able to progress and get so much better and it's noticeable and it just feels amazing. Yeah, I bet. I'm literally light years behind you on my surfing, but <laughs> sometimes I get those glimpses even even on my baby waves that I'm comfortable in. But if people want to see yeah. like you, if they like, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good time for some social stalking. If they like scroll back in your Instagram, um, you posted some photos of you riding some like really sick waves. Yeah. And maybe this stems from just being um, an athlete already, but I'm a little more fearless in trying to get myself into bigger waves, but it's really about turning and stuff that I have so much room for improvement of being able to do that. So that's the next goal in surfing, (laughs) being able to make legitimate turns. Yeah. 
Let's go. I've made like a turn on a surfboard once. It was, it felt, it was like the inkling of a turn. <laughs> yeah. And it feels amazing. It did. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Um, okay. So at the end, we're kind of like wrapping up. And I was wondering if you thought of a story you wanted to share. Yeah. You have a good story? Sure. Sure. I think I do. I think it's, it's a laughable story that you can learn something from. It's perfect timing because the story happened to take place over Easter weekend uh, many years ago. When I was in college, I did a study abroad in Florence, Italy. And in Florence, Easter weekend, well, actually in Italy, it's Easter weekend is more of a holiday there. It's like a long weekend. People get days Mm -hmm. off and you get some school days off. And so everyone leaves town. Well, this particular weekend, I, I wasn't leaving town, but my roommates did, both of them. And it's, I don't know, just a few hours in on the Friday evening of this long weekend. And I step outside my apartment door to set down the trash. And as I do that, the door slams shut on me. Well, mind oh, you, no. I'm, my roommates are gone for three or four days. I just got locked out of my apartment. We have no hide key of any sort. I luckily have shoes on, but I have no phone, no keys, no nothing. So uh. no jacket. So I go across the floor to the apartment next to us and I, you know, knock on the door and I chat with this young woman in Italian and she says like, I'm, cause I'm thinking, well, at least can I, call the somehow try and call for help to connect to the landlord and yeah. um, but she's like well I'm really sorry uh, but my grandma that I live with she hates foreigners so I can't help you out oh Jesus <laughs> like, okay <laughs> so oh my gosh what am I going to do so well I also happened to be living in the more um, not in the city center. Um, it was the second semester, and I had moved out of the city center where the college students all live. And uh, so I was like, "Well, I guess I'm going to go try and find my girlfriend Jessica." And I started walking, and it just started pouring rain. <laughs> and I mean, this is years ago, but I explicitly remember this because I just thought the whole that whole statement when it rains it pours was just very poignant in that moment and um I went into town and luckily my girlfriend's apartment even though she was up on the third or fourth floor it faced the street because a lot of apartments don't necessarily face in towards the street and I shouted up to her and she heard me and let me in and so I stayed with her for the next three four days and uh she Oh yeah. I had no money, no wallet, nothing. Right. Yeah. So she took care of us. And, um, and it was really funny too, because I borrowed her clothes, but my girlfriend, Jessica, she's almost six feet tall and I'm five, I'm five, five. And so it was pretty hilarious wearing her clothes, but yeah, it was, Oh gosh, that's terrible. (laughs) Well, it was just such a funny, laughable experience. You're like, Oh my gosh, no way. I mean, I guess the way I look at it is like, well, at least I had shoes on yeah. when, I, when I stepped out of the door. Yeah. But uh, I don't, I think it's one of those times where you just, you can't bemoan it and you just got to go with it and try and figure your way how to, how to make the best of it and just be flexible in general. Yeah. Right. Because we yeah. can get so like set in our ways. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty hilarious experience that I won't ever forget. Yeah, no kidding. It sounds like a movie. 
like yeah. scene or something. Honestly. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. They could just like take that storyline and plop it into like the girls plot or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, it feels like a buildup for a romantic comedy. Yeah. Just, the only thing was along the way into trying to find my girlfriend, I didn't come across some Italian man that swept me off my feet and took me somewhere for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wouldn't, I don't know if he would have been as good a head chef as Cody is, even if he was Italian. Mm. So better off. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I you could never be fully serious with those Italian men <laughs> no they're just so boisterous I don't know yes Italian yes. men always came on super strong that's what kind yes. of turned, turned me off a bit when I was myself living in college or living in Europe in college but um yep yep, yep. no Italian lovers for us oh well <laughs> <laughs> well thank you Elise for being on the podcast and it's nice to see you and talk to you a little bit. And I, like I said, I wish we were in person, but um, for people listening that want to keep following you or um, see some of these baking things you're doing on Instagram right now, uh, where can they find you? At Elise Sogstead. Um, yep. At Elise Sogstead. E-L-Y-S-E-S-A-U-G-S-T-A-D. There's not nice. many Elises out there. It's pretty easy to find. Nice. Yes. Find Thank Elise you. and uh, watch the recent episode of the 50 Project where you guys skied the sickle. It's awesome. And uh, you guys can, of course, keep following me at Amy Ski. And uh, I hope that everyone listening is staying safe, staying healthy, and uh, staying happy somehow. Find those bits through the day. And um, Elise, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I really, I really appreciate it. It's great to finally get on your podcast. Yes, yes, yes. You've been on my list for a long time. It's just that we've never been in the same place at the same time so yeah taking advantage of that bit of this insanity but thank you this was wonderful thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time on long underwear to many americans the fading winters is a visible reality of the consequences of climate change that reality can create an emotional reaction that is connected to a sense of place and personal experience you don't need to be a skier to identify with the pain of losing the very things that define you and your community it's in our entire country's best interest to address climate change head on to protect winter and snow in mountain communities. By doing so, we can also help protect the most vulnerable communities around the country. If you are interested in learning more about the impacts of climate change and what the outdoor and snow sports industries are doing to address it, head to protectourwinners.org. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. 